Hi, I want to welcome you to Growing Nimble Families. My name's Melitza. I hope this show is a place where mothers like you can safely explore a slower, simpler and playful lifestyle so that you can get to the heart of what your family needs to thrive both now and in the years to come. Well, Happy New Year. It's 2018 when I'm recording this particular show. I hope that you had a very lovely holiday period. We had a great Christmas and a lovely New Year. And I hope that you are happy to be this side as well in 2018. I'm excited for 2018 and all the things that it can bring and the things that we can do with our kiddos and um, learn from our school age kids and be able to teach and share. And one of the things I wanted to talk to you about today was raising emotionally healthy kids. Now, the last time we talked about rituals for parents that I thought were really important, and we have a second show that will be coming up next, but I thought we'd have a, a quick diversion, I guess you can call it, to be talking about raising emotionally healthy kids. I felt that this was a really good topic to start the year off with. We want to have our good intentions and be able to start um, doing things the best that we can do. And I thought it might be food for thought and give us some motivation to try some new things. My youngest son came in to appeal for electronics time. But first, he wanted to complain about the amount of time his brother had already been using. I'm sure this is something that happens in your family too, right? It's normal for the brothers to play attention to what's fair, but what they really mean is what's the same. They play close attention so that everyone gets the same action. It's something that they constantly bring up. I'm sure you have the same problem too. Of course, this only works in the positive and it only works for them. So for fun, occasionally, just so that they can get to see that it's not always about them, we go for a little bit of fun. We go for fair equals the same in another situation. So when my son maybe asks for help with homework, I smile and tell them, oh, I only have three minutes that I can give you right now because I have to give three minutes to him and, and, and three minutes to him. And you know, I'm kind of pushed for time, but if I can equal out the time, knowing full well that it's gonna take longer than three minutes for this particular math problem, for example, and instantly it's like, but I'll need more time. You need to spend more time. He doesn't need any time. But then I say, but we have to have equal time, right? I have to give you the same amount of time. I have to give him the same amount of time. I have to give the other one the same amount of time, right? It's all done with a joke in my voice, a smile on my face. And yes, they see it too. And they kind of get the idea, okay, and they're beginning to get the idea that fair isn't always equal. Because they need to see that things aren't equal and equal doesn't mean fair. And why that's necessary, well, sometimes it just happens that way. We spend so much of our time expressing our love for the kids. We praise them. We point out how good they are at things. We keep them safe and protected, of course. They feel valuable, they feel special, they have rights. Boy, do they have rights. But sometime during primary, elementary school maybe, 
And definitely by the time they've left that school and gone on to middle school or secondary school, 11 plus, they are beginning to see that not everything comes to them easily. Although they are awesome at dancing or gymnastics or swimmers or musicians or Lego enthusiasts, they have hit a wall or two and realize they're not as good as they thought. No matter how much we go, rah, rah, you're so good, you're so great. They're beginning to see, you know, I'm not as good as other people or other things or as I thought that I am. It's not enough for them to know that they are loved. At this moment, they feel terrible right now. Even with all the trophies and badges and certificates, this particular activity was just too hard. They could feel the gap between where they are and what they needed to be, and they could tell they just couldn't do it. Maybe they could see that their friend could do it, or their cousin, or next-door neighbor, or their brother or sister, and they're beginning to think of themselves so much for that gift that I have, or I'm not really that good. Another example, alone in an empty house, you can hear every sound. Every sound is really loud, whether it's the fridge coming on and filling up or the ice cubes dropping, that gets me every time. The air conditioning and the heating going on and off. When it's windy, the wind whistling through the cracks. Never mind the sounds you think that you hear. When you're in the house with the kids, they take that type of safety for granted. Now they're getting older and allowed to stay home alone, maybe for the first times ever, every creak is like a bad movie playing out. That imagination is in full effect. They're beginning to understand how to keep safe. Well, we've given them some guidelines. You've put it in place. We're at the end of the phone or a few miles away that first time, but it's not the same as being in the other room and feeling that safety feeling protected as being in the same house. So we start to go through this kind of transfer, is I guess that we can call it, where we're moving from this state of luxury where they feel everything is directed towards them and they're held and they're loved and everything is made special just for them to this place where they're beginning to feel emotions that make them feel bad, that are different and difficult and they're beginning to see that things aren't quite as they've seen them before. As they get older, there is a need for the kids to experience something else. And I read the author Tim Elmore talk about a second set of messages that we should be helping our kids to understand. The first set of messages he talks about are very familiar and we'll touch on those, but I want, I want to read a quote from what he says. He says, we must communicate two sets of messages to kids during the first two decades of their lives. Sadly, very often only one set of messages get through. The first 10 years we must communicate childhood messages. That's the first set, he calls those childhood messages. And those messages are, you are loved, you are unique, you have gifts, you are safe, you are valuable. 
I think we know how to do those really well. Our kids feel them. We were there hugging and saying how amazing their work was and, and really giving them that value and the love and the safety. That was our job. We could do it. It made us feel good. The kids feel good. I think most families have the opportunity to do this and do it well for the first 10 years, which leads us to this second part of the quote that Tim Elmore says. He says, if you have done this well, they're prepared for necessary adolescent messages that groom them for a challenging adult world, end quote. Now, this second set of messages is what really this show is all about today. Because we can do the first set of messages. I think parents do those really well. But it's this second set of messages that maybe we, we need some new information on. These are the second set of messages. Life is difficult. You are not in control. You are not that important. You are going to die. Your life is not about you. On first read, these sound super negative, especially the third and fourth one. You're not that important and you're going to die. It didn't take long, though, to look back on these disagreements that the kids have and the disappointments that they have and be able to see that you can frame those. Many of those situations happen in our homes all the time, especially if we look at our school age kids. Many of the times when they're really upset and they're really mad, it's because it's something that just impacts them and they've had no ability to see that it impacts anybody else. And sometimes we might think that that's really selfish. And they don't realize that what they want is not that important in the big scheme of things. And so this second set of messages is about sharing their place in life. So it's not as touchy-feely and warm and cuddly as the first set of messages. But I think it's really important. We conspire for everything to run well. That's what we do as parents. We want them to feel loved. We make sure that everything that they have access to works. We do the best that we can because that's what we want. We also operate at a high level. We are efficient. We are quick. We know how to do things. We're good at stripping a bed, for example, and making it in moments. It doesn't take as much time to be able to do it anymore. We're pretty good at deciding how long it might take to write a paper or an essay. We know that if we're going to go for a run, how long it might take after you've had a break for Christmas and how long it will take for you to run walk that first run. The kids don't have this yet. They have no idea about how long it takes to strip a bed. So when we tell them, go strip your bed, and we know it's gonna take them five minutes to do, well, it would take us five, we know that it might take them 15 or 20, but they decide that they're gonna only allocate themselves five minutes. They don't know that it's gonna take longer because they've never done it. Their road is rough, full of mistakes like that, 
underestimating things and not knowing how it's going to turn out and retries being frustrated because they've got the wrong set of sheets they got the double instead of the twin or they put the elastic sheet on the top instead of the fitted sheet or vice versa or they got the wrong color or this one has a hole in or they can't get it to work on their mattress when we show them in moments how to do things and then they try they immediately feel that first message life is difficult how we handle that situation is really interesting when they want to play a video game and then they see the amount of homework that they have they've got to make a decision about which has the priority well instantly for us as parents we know which choices to make but they don't necessarily know this first time or even the next which one to go for first they probably want to go for the video game some of the kids will want to go for the homework first but some of the kids are going to go for the video game but they can learn from experience especially if this is the type of experience that happens early on an eight-year-old who doesn't spend much time learning his or her spellings and gets a low result a seven-year-old who gets up late and only eats half the bowl of cereal and feels hungry until school snack time they feel that life is difficult if we continuously smooth the way continuously smooth the way it's hard for our kids to learn perspective it's a gradual movement being not able to do something put on a fitted sheet with the elastic bits on or strip a bed to being confident at doing it as they struggle that second and third and eighth time trying to do it hearing that it's difficult getting that bed sheet on is tricky cleaning that sink after the toothpaste had hardened for half the day yeah it's gonna take you 10 minutes of scrubbing to get that thing clean yes it might take me five minutes but it might take your brother 20 because he has no idea about how to do it yes your friend may not do anything like what you do at your house or you might have heard that your friend does all of these things and you don't do those types of things at your house the way we talk about this perspective really matters it stops us getting stuck in the it's not fair how many times do we hear our kids saying that it's not fair why do i have to clean the sink i didn't make the mess in the sink it wasn't me that put the toothpaste in the sink why do i have to do it? it's not fair it moves us on to you know it might not be fair but this needs to be done because it's not about us nobody needs to see the sink looking like this it's not fair for those people that are coming in to have to look at a sink like this your sink my sink anyone's sink these types of messages help us talk about thinking ahead and putting off instant gratification which is a tricky thing for kids to do and some tricky for sometimes tricky for us as adults too as well we need kind of practice and practice with it 
saving towards an item that takes weeks until they buy it themselves, only to find the prices increased or that they are sold out. When these things happen, they really experience that last one. Life isn't about them. The store didn't wait. That fulfillment, however, when they do get that resolution, or maybe the original item, it worked out, is in their hand. It's totally worth the wait. Even if the product itself isn't, and that's such a struggle, when you see that they want to buy something that you think as a parent is not really worth it, but it's their money and they've saved up for it and they have it in their hands and they can love it or dislike it as much as they like. It's the whole process of learning that goes along with that. These second sets of messages give us a unique opportunity with our kids to help them know that although life is difficult, you can manage it. You can manage it because we go alongside them and we support them during these second messages. We might say things like, here's how I've handled it. We might listen to what they've got to say and say nothing. We might give them suggestions. Here's how your nan handled it when she had this trouble. Or here's what I did or I read or your dad did or your mum did or give some examples that you found or you might ask those questions, those gentle questions that help them go through the problem and seek solutions for themselves. You're not even giving any solutions, but you just gently lead them through the problem and ask them, what are they going to do about it? Do they need help with it? And all those types of questions that help them to find an answer for themselves so we can validate what they're saying and support them with what they're doing. We know our kids and some kids will need just supporting, some will need advice, some will need telling and we will use our intuition as we're talking and, and sharing with them and teaching them to be able to do this for themselves. You know, how we as parents respond to disappointment, our kids see, our kids notice. When we have a change in schedule, you know, do we throw a tantrum and get really cross about things ourselves? Do we procrastinate about the changes? Are we deep thinkers before doing? Or are we emotional movers? We help guide and support our children's growing personality. Now, it doesn't matter. Some of us are very different to our children, and that can be really complicated because it's hard to think in a different way. If we are a procrastinator and our child is, is very much guided by um, systems and times, then we have to go with what they're doing and be able to support them in, in how they are and, and vice versa. They need us to show them what to do. There are lots of kids that don't need us to show them what to do as well. They just need guidance or they just need support and validation because they just lack the confidence. Many kids aren't in a position to know what to do because they just don't have the experience. And these second sets of statements that we're going through today, these messages, they help them to be able to understand how to do things. One of the reasons why many parents love music lessons as much as they do 
is because you can see progress and mastery. If they work hard and reach a goal, they can work harder and reach a further goal. It's the same for karate or swimming or chess or any of those types of activities. It just takes time. It's hard. At some point, we all want to quit. We build these persevering muscles during those types of activities because adult life is full of goal setting to get what we want. Planning isn't easy for everyone, but knowing that you have a system, knowing that you have a practice that can work can help. And this is the time when our kids can learn how to do that. How do we get from this point to this point? Often there's one or two people in your family that are really good at doing that. It might be you, it might be your partner, it might be somebody else outside of your family that's really good at making systems. It might be the kids themselves. So this is great where we can dig deep and learn to work hard, work towards a goal and learn how to do that. These second sets of messages are things we want our children to learn to come back from. When they get the C grade, but they've put in a lot of effort, this is very different than getting the C grade and they put in no effort. What they can do about it speaks to character. Do they get upset and hide it because they're afraid of our reaction? Do they seek out a teacher, friend, a relative? Do they share with us and ask what to do? Can they get over the humiliation they feel and get the perspective they need to move forward? Are they paralyzed or stubborn in denial? Hopefully they see the big picture or hopefully we can show them the bigger picture. These second sets of messages help our children to mature, not harden. As situations come up, they learn how to navigate and nimbly step around things and continue. There are still plenty of times when life is all about them, when they feel fully loved, cherished. These first set of messages will continue. That, that won't ever stop. We will continue doing those because it will already be part of who they are. They know that about us and our family. Kids are very much into themselves and their rights. The fun part is how we share the responsibility of these rights and share it in a way that we can support our kids so that they understand how to respond and behave. And for that, it means that we have to set limits sometimes. They won't be able to do all of the things that they wish to do because life isn't all about them. They have to think further forward and our role as parents is to be able to encourage that. So what are some practical ways that we can put some of these ideas into action? Well, I have a few ideas for you. The first one is contributions for everyone that can in the house. Contributions, not any old contributions, but contributions that serve others. So keeping their room tidy, for example, is a common contribution or a chore that I hear people talking about often that they expect their kids to keep their rooms tidy. I would see that more as a daily habit that you want your child to be able to do. You want them to be able to do that in the same way you want them to clean their teeth and um, 
go to the bathroom and keep themselves clean. You want them to do something decent about their bedroom too. That's just a daily habit that's part of the normal things that are going on. A contribution, in the true sense of the word contribution, is something that it contributes to other people. This is where service comes into it. When you do something for other people, not only do you feel the goodness inside of you because you've done something to help them, there is a responsibility that goes along with that because people are expecting you to do it and to do it well and vice versa. When you go to the bathroom, you expect it to be clean because somebody's cleaned it and it might have been you that should have cleaned it. So you know who to complain to. You have that responsibility there. Kids that clean an entire kitchen make less mess and tidy quicker after they've spent an hour cleaning up the mess. Now, what's interesting about something like that is that when a parent might have gone in that kitchen, it might have taken them 10, 15 minutes to like whip smart, get that all clean. But when a child goes in, they have no idea where everything goes and how to clean in the way that gets it clean. They don't put in the elbow grease in the same way. The plates might be greasy because they didn't get the hot water going. I don't know. The, the dishwasher could have been full. There are so many situations that happen. The next time they go into that kitchen and they're making a mess, they're telling everybody around them, we need to clean up as we go along because I don't want to clean this up. Learning from example, learning how to be gracious when things aren't going the way that you want them to, it's great to be able to do those things inside the home to learn how to react and to reframe that positively. The second thing is experiment with activities that improve over time to learn more about perseverance, struggle, hard work, grit. Music, sports and art are things that come to mind straight away when I think of those things. Activities that have challenge built in. Things like uh, the 3,000 piece Lego set or the 1,000 piece 3D globe or puzzle. It takes time to find out how to do those things, but it's really important for us to learn to keep going when the going gets tough. How do we build that persevering muscle it's really hard for us as parents to watch our kids struggle, that we want to help them to make it easier for them. But sometimes they need to learn how to struggle, how to get by, because in adult life, this is what's going to be happening. It doesn't mean that we step back and um, are completely hands off and just watch them flapping around and dangerously so and being distressed and upset. We support and find ways to, to help them through their struggle teach them how to ask questions or to seek help, to learn how to do it more, show them how people have, have continued, know when to stop and when to give up and when to keep going and what to do. It doesn't have to be just their thing, that they only do one thing, so they're only doing sports and that's all they're able to do or they're only doing music. It's great when you can try out many different things. And the school age time gives you opportunities to be able to do that. As they get older, they might go back to doing things that they hadn't done before. But unless you've experienced a whole range of doing things, how do you know whether you really like it or not? Unless you've tried it 
and tried it for a little while. Over time, patterns emerge. You might find that you're, I don't know, mathematical and, and you really like that style and that way. You might find that you're really artsy and you really love to do that. You might find that you really like construction and building or drawing or many different aspects that there can be, but you can only experience those things if you've tried many different things. It's in the depths of struggle that character is grown and kids need to feel and then be shown that distance that they've come. I love to, we, we um, like to do music in our family at the moment. And I remember my youngest son took the longest amount of time to feel comfortable playing his instrument and he would struggle and struggle and he was like, I want to give up. And he'd looked forward for so long to be able to do it. And now he can play better than he did then. And constantly we love to say to him, do you remember the times when you found this really hard? And he just kind of smiles like, yeah, like throws it off like, yeah, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. But to remind him of how much he struggled and his older brothers can remember because they remember hearing it in the same way that my parents remember hearing me struggle when I was playing my musical instrument. You, you remember how long it took to get better enough that you weren't upset by the sound that you were hearing. <laughs> so it's important, I think, to experiment with activities that help them to improve over time, to learn about perseverance, struggle, hard work and grit so that they can feel the accomplishment when they get to the other side and they can look back and say, you know, I did that. I can do it and it works for me. The third thing, find a system, whether it's allowance or pocket money, that will work for your family. We love the spend, save, give and invest idea that's about. The invest is for longer time savings. You don't touch that one at all. Um, and we've used that one for saving up for a very long time. So one of my sons bought an iPad with his money in the invest section and another one bought a DS after many years of saving. It helped them to understand what persevering was all about for them to delay the gratification and be able to work hard towards something that they really wanted to get and then to look after that thing. But when things go wrong, as they sometimes do in our house, when children have their own money that's theirs regularly that they get, that they're saving and not spending it all, and they're saving towards things, when things break, they have a way to pay for it, whether it's things that they break intentionally or some of the things that they break that's accidental that you feel is necessary for them to replace. An example I can think about is when things go wrong, like breaking the screen of your brother's iPad. You have a means to pay for it and or you get really inventive fast. With a little guidance the kids can learn through experience, with oversight from us, I can tell you the hardest thing for my son to do wasn't telling me he'd broken the screen on the iPad. It was finding the words to tell his brother. 
on listening to whatever he said next. Coaching them both was interesting to say the least through that situation and I hope it helped them learn how to deal with potentially explosive situations for the future. They'll have some guidelines and guidance about how to do that for another time like when they ding the car or something else happens in the future. I'll leave some resources in the show notes, which will be at growingnimblefamilies.com forward slash 207. If you're looking for some ideas about how to do any of the things that we've been talking about today, I'll leave some books and some resources and some other shows for you to be able to dig into those and, and go deeper if you would like some ideas about how to do that. So now it's your turn. I would love to hear your ideas about sharing these second messages. How does that happen in your family? How are you raising emotionally healthy kids? How are you making sure that these things happen so that we uh, are supporting our kids and that they can do great things? I hope something I've said today has triggered you to investigate something more and helped you make a decision for your wonderful family about a step forward or doing something differently in 2018. I love to hear what happens in your family. You can go to the show notes and leave a message there. You can always email me um, also if you go to the website and I'd love to hear what you have to say there. You can use the hashtag creatingfamilyhaven on Twitter and on Instagram if you want to talk about this episode or show me something that's happening in your home. And you can share your ideas in the Facebook group, the Society of Nimble Parents of School Age Kids. Thanks for being here today and I know there are many things that you could be doing right now and I'm glad that you've chosen to be here today. Don't forget to leave us a rating or a comment wherever you subscribe. I know it seems like a small thing but it's one of the best ways as it helps new people to find the show. Show notes are at growingnimblefamilies.com forward slash 207 and that will get you straight to the show notes. You can also sign up there for my growing library of parenting resources and printables over on my site. See you again next time.